Hello, this is Mike Van Meter. Welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. And you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And today, we are going to have another guest from Dundee, Scotland, and uh, we have Pauline Kinsman with us here today. And Pauline is someone that I have gotten to meet over the last, uh, or gotten to know today, but we've, we've had a loose association the last couple of weeks with some of the other folks that I've met in Dundee, and she's going to be talking to us about the family side of addiction and how she's been affected, the community has been affected and how this whole issue has been addressed. So uh, with that, uh, Pauline, welcome to the show. Hi there. Hi. Thanks so for thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. And um, Pauline, if you can um, just kind of for our audience, just tell us a little bit about you, um, who you are, where you're from and how did you get associated with Recovery Dundee? Um, I'm, I'm 64. I'm a retired social worker. I'm the mother of a, a recovering addict. That's um, my, daughter's, my daughter's had an addiction for about 23 years. Um, that's how I got involved, uh, trying to help my daughter. My grandson, he's 20. Um, he's been affected by his parents' drug addiction all his life. Um, so trying to trying to care for him. Um, he doesn't use drugs, which is unusual, um, but he emotionally he, he is quite damaged. Yeah, because this is um, in anybody that has an addict, anybody that's listening to this program knows that. Addiction affects everybody in your orbit, um, and, and certainly it's affected him. And yeah. uh, work, you know, your your workplace, your your friends, your associates, everything, everybody's affected by addiction. This is not – so oftentimes you hear people say, hey, don't worry about me. This is only affecting me. But that's not true, is it? It affects everybody. No, it affects, it affects the whole family, extended family. It affects relationships. Um affects how how family members view the addict um everybody's got everybody's got um, an opinion but nobody actually does the groundwork to help you so can you take us back to the beginning so what is your recollection of how this journey started with this is your daughter who is an addict yeah. when you say addict a heroin addict correct heroin addict yeah so how did that start um, i think I think she started taking heroin when she was about 18, when she met her partner, who was a, quite a lot older than her. But if I go back further than that, the problem started with Ailey when she was 14. Um, before that, she was um, a happy child. She had lots of friends. She did lots of activities. Um, a nicer wee girl you couldn't find. And just before she hit 14, when her period started, um, it was like she changed overnight. It was like she'd been possessed. Um, it was it was horrendous. It was, it was quite frightening, actually. Yeah, a lot of um, hormonal changes. It was severe PMS kicked in. Um, horrendous, horrendous pain. But horrendous behaviours, violent and aggressive behaviours, three weeks out of four. 
Um, we tried getting help from doctors, um, just kept hitting brick walls. We got sent to child psychiatry. They, um, they said it was my fault. Um, it was my relationship with, with my daughter. Uh, it was, she didn't know her place in the family. And my daughter I, I disagreed with the doctor and said, that's nothing to do with it. That's not why I feel like this. But we couldn't get anywhere. I tried every herbal remedy under the sun. We couldn't get anywhere. Um, then when she was 18, so she met a partner. Um, he was a heroin addict. He was a drug dealer. Um, he was very controlling. Um, he he cut me out of my daughter's life. Um, she gave birth to her son when he was 21. She came off drugs when she found she, out she was pregnant. And she breastfed him till he was two and a half. And it wasn't long after that that she went back on drugs. Um, it was it was extremely difficult to remain in my daughter's life, remain in my grandson's life. Um, he was very obviously he he controlled her, and he he managed to convince her that the best thing to do was to keep keep your mother out of your life, and and that happened on and off for a long long time. He died nearly three years ago um, from lung cancer, which is obviously was a consequence of smoking heroin for years. Um, and I, I do have some empathy for him because his life was hell. Um, he was brought up with a mother who was an alcoholic, who was sexually abused by her father right up to the end of her life. Um, so... The, the life he, and he had must have been absolutely horrendous and he was horrendously damaged. But he damaged my daughter and he damaged my grandson. He damaged my whole family, to be honest. Mm. So he died nearly three years ago and about... Was it, uh, Ely was in treatment because social work were involved at one point with Scott. And she was in, she was in treatment, but... Um, she, she, the treatment was it was it was absolute, it was it was less than useless because there's no recovery in, in treatment in, in Scotland, absolutely no recovery, and there, there was no there was no kindness in the treatment program. All it was is, is is containing people, keeping them off the streets, keeping them from going and buying heroin, and eventually she was after the dirty sample with codeine for the horrendous period pains that she took. Um, this was just before her husband died. Uh, she was detoxed from 150 mils of methadone over two weeks and thrown out the service. Handed a, handed a leaflet for Samaritans because she said she was suicidal. And when she asked if she could still still um, get support, they said, "Go go and get yourself a habit and come back." So that's, well, well, now, that's wait, wait, stop there for one second. When you go and get a habit and come back, what does that mean? I, I go, go and get yourself a heroin habit and come back because you can't get, you cannot get a service here unless you are a, you're using heroin. Really? And if you're in the service, yeah, and if you're in the service, you can't get a service unless you're taking their medication. You can't go into their service if you just want emotional support to try and um, come to terms with your the trauma in your life, because everybody's got trauma in their life. 
So, um, the, so there was no treatment for that. Their answer was There's go nothing. back and start using again and then come back. Go start using again and come back. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Hmm. We'll, we'll was, come back to that. Uh, <laughs> we'll come back to that. That, 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 that was the, that was the day. I think that was around about the time of her husband's funeral. To be honest. Yeah. Um. So we did eventually, after about eighteen months, managed to get her back into treatment. Um. But that was really quite difficult to start with. Um. This is after the drug commission report had been done. Um. I got her to go and she met her key worker and made a plan uh, that she would she, she would use methadone in the short term. Um, and I, I know there was a big push in Dundee to get everybody on Suboxone. And Ailey says, um, I can't do that. I can't do that because it gives you too much clarity and I I'm just not in that, that position at the moment. I'm not in that place. So we agreed that she would go for... Um, for methadone so she had to go for a tolerance test and we met two new workers and one of them was absolutely horrendous she was screaming and shouting at Ailey calling her a liar when she said that she'd had the one uh, dirty sample and she just she was awful and you are going on suboxone and Ailey says I can't do that I can't do that so it's there's no person centred approach there uh, it was it was horrendous and she ran out. I eventually managed to get get her back in the door with a, with the help of um, one of the social work managers who's attached to the service who's who is really, really good. Um, we got someone else and she went on methadone. So um and she has she's this person who was the prescriber, she has a good relationship with and she listened. She actually listened to what Ailey wanted. Um, so that made it so much easier. But there's in between appointments where you're getting your um, your, your your methadone reviewed, or um, you go in for 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 urine samples to see if you're clean. It could be four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, six months in between. Um, there's nothing filling this gap of the wraparound service. There's nothing there at the moment. We hope that that will get better, but at the moment, it's not. It's not there. And even even getting into the building uh, as, as a family member or or as a support has been difficult. That has got better, um, but it has been an uphill struggle. Without recovery, Dundee, Ailey wouldn't be on our, journey, our recovery journey at the moment. I think I don't think Ailey would be here, to be honest. Okay, so and uh, and Ellie told us the the same thing when when we interviewed her. And it, it, so, for the listeners, if you're just tuning into this particular podcast at this moment, um, go back and look. Uh, we we did a separate interview of of Ellie and she can tell you her story and she said the same thing that without recovery Dundee she wouldn't be where she is today. So um, so just set the stage for this. My understanding, and again I'm an outsider looking in. My understanding is that the National Health Service um, you're looking at even to meet your key worker is. It could be six months, correct? From from one visit to the next, could be. It could be, 
Yeah. Probably not yeah. going to be any sooner than six weeks. Correct? No, probably not. No. So that's a long weeks, time, um, you know, yeah. in recovery. Yeah. That's uh, a long, long, long time, time yeah. when you're using. Yeah. And yeah. so you're not seeing, uh, and so. For, for, at, the, at the beginning, it needs yeah. to be daily. So there needs to be somebody there. There needs to be, and they need to look at the trauma that, that and say to people, what, what happened to you in your life? How did you get here? Yeah. Because if you don't deal with the trauma, you're never going to deal with anything else. That's right. Because Causes and conditions. The, and so we've talked about the that. Addiction, the addictions, yeah. The, yeah, the, drug, the drugs are, are, are there to, to, to hide the pain from the trauma that's happened in people's That's right. Lives. That's right. Because I, I can mm -hmm. tell you this. I've never, um, let's just frame it this way. I have never once been to a, uh, just use alcohol because my, my issue is alcohol. You know, and I, I've talked about that elsewhere in the in the show. Um, I've never been to an AA meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and had somebody relapse, meaning they've they've had got a period of abstinence and then they've gone out and they've used again, and then make it back into an AA meeting and say, "Let me tell you guys why I went back and relapsed. Let me tell you why I relapsed because my life was so going so damn well, so good." I was so happy. Everything was so good in my life. I thought I should go back out and drink. I've never heard that. That's not how it works. No. The way that it's the reason why people works. go out and relapse is because they have the physical implications and then there's some trauma that happens in my, if I go back and I start drinking today, it's going to be because something really traumatic happened in my life. So the conclusion to that is that it's causes and conditions. So we have we we talked about the genetic predisposition. That there's a you know there are people that are genetically preloaded or front loaded as as you will uh, to to be an addiction. But what causes you to pick up and then tap into that preloading genetically of your addiction is some sort of trauma, and recovery keeps you from picking up again. And the and so like, for example, 12 step meetings, the reason why you go to 12 step meetings is to prepare yourself to not drink or drug. It doesn't get you sober. It keeps you sober. And there's a distinct difference. Mm -hmm. And so what it sounds like to me, Pauline, is that's the one part of this whole equation that the NHS is not addressing. They're, they're kind of put, oh, putting window dressing, right. if you will. They're kind of masking the issue, but they're not going the back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is that your impression? Second plaster. Yeah, just put a second plaster on it. Okay, keep just yeah, keep keep a, keep a lid on it. Keep a lid on it. Yeah, keep a lid on I, the addiction. Saying, so yeah. there's no counseling. I'm, I'm, there's I'm, no I'm, nothing. There's no, no. It's not happening. It isn't happening. No, I don't know anybody who has had counseling through the the, the service in Dundee. I don't know anyone. That that's that's a problem. I'm also I'm also a member. I'm also a member of a Lifeline Group. This is um, a group of parents and carers of of um, people with addictions. Yeah. And through the Lifeline Group, I sit on the Drug and Alcohol Partnership. This is um, with the with Dundee City Council and 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 the Tayside Health Board. Um, so I've I've I sit on on there and and I can raise issues. Um, and that has been that has been a, um, an absolute lifeline because I, what we what we've said in the past is we don't want to complain about your service and and go through formal complaints procedures. That's not what we want. We want a, a format where we can say to you, "Here's what's not working right. Can you please address it?" Mm -hmm. So the 
on on the EDP, yeah, I can do that. Um, I can I can raise issues, but the service needs to change dramatically to to sort these things. It's, that's what it, that's what it sounds like to me. Other, yeah, 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 yeah. The other other thing that, that I've I've done a lot of research into is B twelve deficiency. Yep, I think that's an underlying cause for lots yep. of people who become addicts, and I, and and I know that lots of addicts will be B twelve deficient because they don't eat properly. But I think yep. it's a chicken and the egg. I think that's the starting point. I mm-hmm. think it. I, um, and I, I've, early, I've, I've been given early B12 injections. Well, I started giving them B12 injections last October. And she now self-injects every day. Yeah. And that has made a, 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 a tremendous difference to her health and how she feels. And, and, and looking at the research, severe PMS can be caused by um, low B12. And I oh, think interesting. It's... it's, it's yeah, I've, I've read quite a lot about that, and and looking at my health, I started I started self injecting B twelve last August, and that's made a, um, a tremendous difference. So you've and noticed it yourself, because, yeah? Oh, I've, yeah, and I think I have probably been deficient when, uh, when when I've been carrying my children, and they have they've been born deficient and continue yeah. to be deficient. My two my two sons are um, have problems with alcohol, um, so it, it, there, there's a pattern there. There's definitely a pattern there. My mother, I'm sure, was B12 deficient when she had me, and and, and if, if if the mother is a bit deficient, the baby's not going to have a store, um, and you will never ever build that up without getting injections. So I think that's a huge, huge, huge problem. And unfortunately, the NHS in Dundee, and sorry, in, in, in the UK, if your B12 levels are not under 200, which are horrendously low, you won't get any treatment. And the treatment mm. is woefully inadequate unless you unless you can actually access um, B12 and, and inject yourself. You're, you're on a hiding to nothing and you can't buy it in this country. I'm buying it from Germany and also bought some in Canada when I was there last year. That's the only way that we can, we can actually um, um, solve the problem. Um, well, and you know, um, it, it is interesting. And so Ellie told me the same thing, and and she told me that it really has an effect on her and her energy level. And she's 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 gone back to the gym. She's taking care of herself, taking care of her body, and it's because of that she didn't have the energy before. Uh, so for the listeners that. That are listening in, um, B12 is a very important um, vitamin because B12 uh, deals with energy conversion in your body. And there's there's a series of vitamins. And I'm gonna let me digress here a little bit. I, I don't want to get too sciency in this because uh, I don't want to lose people. But there's some important things to understand. And I know in my own recovery there were some things when I started understanding some basics of the science behind addiction that actually helped me get well. And I and hopefully it will help the listeners as well because. People that, first of all, every addict, and it doesn't matter whether it's heroin, cocaine, alcohol, or a combination of all the above, when you come into treatment, when you're at that point when you want to get well, you are going to be vitamin and mineral deficient. You're going to be. Everybody is. 
Okay. Because you're not eating properly. You're not taking care of yourself the way that you should. You're not sleeping properly, all those, those types of things. But there's one added part to this, uh, Pauline, one, one added dimension to this. And that is even if you are doing everything that you can to, uh, other than abusing yourself with drugs and alcohol, but trying to uh, work on your diet and exercise, there's something that you need to know. Um, and, and I'll just talk about alcohol here for a second. But I don't, I don't know that heroin, I think heroin has some of the same effects. And that is this, that when it, a lot of people don't know that when you drink alcoholically, even though you may be taking B supplements, you're not processing the B supplements. You're not processing the B vitamins. And it's not just 12. It's one, three, six, and 12. One in three, when you're like, you're talking about um, uh, niacin, you're talking about thiamine, you're talking about all these other things. It's not being processed into your system. So um, vitamins B1, B1 and three have to do with neurological functioning and then 12 deals with energy conversion. But one in three deals with that neurological functioning um, of your brain. And, and, and you're deficient in that. And so if, if somebody in your life is drinking alcoholically and, and it seems like they're just, they're acting crazy, making bad decisions, it's not by accident. It's because they're very, very low in those, those vitamins. Now, uh, in addition to that, your serotonin levels, which has to deal with your feelings of wellness, GABA levels, all those things come down when you're, when you're an addict. And all of that has to be fixed. All that has to be replaced. That has to be regenerated. But they, it will not regenerate as long as, you, as you're using. And that is why it is important. And I hope, hope, hope that somebody for the National Health Service in the UK is listening to this. The goal of recovery needs to be complete and total abstinence from whatever substance you're on. It needs to be because what I just described to you will not repair itself, not fully anyway, unless you you are completely abstinent. And then that needs to be the goal. And that seems to be what's missing in this. Methadone is absolutely uh, a preferred drug. It is a, a helpful drug. To reduce, you know, get into harm reduction first, and then to, to and then to taper you off to where um, you you can get off of the drug, but you have to have a plan to get you. We get you off of heroin, and then we put you on methadone, but then we have to get you off of the methadone, and that seems to be the element. And correct me if I'm wrong, Pauline, that is missing in all this. And people won't fully people, get yeah, well until they do that. I'm sorry. Go I ahead. I know people who have been on. I know people who've been on on methadone for over thirty years. Yeah, see, that's that's unacceptable yeah. to me. Absolutely there's, there's unacceptable. No, there's, there's no end point to it. There's no planning for the future. How do we how do we progress? There is no there's no recovery. That is the problem. It's it's only containing people. It's 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 um. We'll give you this drug so it'll keep you off the streets. You, um, you won't be looking for heroin, so you won't you won't offend. Um, you're you're not a drain on on uh, on society. Um, you won't be. There wouldn't be people lying about in the streets uh, with people looking at you. Well, we'll right. just keep you behind closed doors. But but the methadone methadone is more addictive than heroin. It is very addictive. Um, yes. There's, there's, yeah. There, there is no plans to get people off out the other end, and you can't get people out the other end if you don't start at the at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Deal with the trauma. Yep. It's, give them give them a, a, a purpose in life. Give them a goal in life. Look at look at planning for the future. Build them. Give them something. Give them an alternative. If you don't do that, then it's never going to happen. 
That's right. And and, and part of that yeah. alternative and part of that goal in life is so it's multifaceted. It's it's giving people a yeah. purpose. You have to have a reason. You have to have um, a, a belief that there's something in your world greater than you, whether it's your country, whether it's your yeah. community, whether it's God, whether it's um, your children, whatever. You have to have something else in your life to live for. And then but in addition to that, you you need to understand that you cannot be the most effective person to do that while you are no. still using and that the a life a clean life where you're not drugging and you're not drinking that is the optimum life and i was really surprised to be honest with you when i started exploring scotland and the uk that this was the uh the outlook on it i it really surprised me being somebody in long-term recovery over here in the united states and, and by the way i don't get me wrong with it it's not handled perfect i do not want you to think for a minute i'm saying that we've figured it out all over here and you know because we haven't we have a, we have our own problems over here we have a lot of problems over here i'm not saying that um but what i am saying is that i don't think there's any disagreement in the united states that the end goal of recovery is abstinence that I mean, we all agree on that now what we do disagree on is how we get there you know that's a discussion that's a debate that we can have but we are at least starting with that but we need to get there and that seems to be lacking to me in in the uk and I'm, I'm troubled by that it's it's awful it's it's, it's awful it's so destroying because the the there's, there's all there's, there's so much potential in these people who are addicts and, and this has been wasted and then you've got next generation coming up and the generation after that because most children of addicts use use drugs yeah or use alcohol because that that's what they've seen that's their way of life they don't know any different and i think when the biggest the, the biggest age group of problems and 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 certainly in, in, uh, that we're seeing is like late 30s, 40s, early 50s, Thatcher's children, um, high unemployment. There's, 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 that, that seems to have been, it started with Maggie Thatcher. And th these are Thatcher's children that have gone through the system. They come out of the education system, there's no jobs. There's a next generation coming up. There's not, there's not even a, um, they don't even have a goal um in life like i want to do this i want to do that it's how do you sign on how do you get your how do you get your, your benefits because mm. there is nothing else so mm. thatcher's legacy is, is a huge huge problem that has never never been addressed um and seems to be getting worse to be honest now th this just keep going on and on now th this treatment system or lack of treatment system in in the nhs has it always been that way or is that is that a recent thing it's 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 always been like that. It's hand out the methadone, like people have been on it for thirty years. Um, they might they might not see anybody for a year, just to keep going to the chemist and getting their prescriptions. Um, who knows what what other drugs that they're using in the meantime? Uh, and I know there's a, there's a, there's been a big push here as well to to get everybody on Suboxone, but. The people on Suboxone have realised that um, we can I can use heroin at the same time. If you put the Suboxone under your tongue and it slowly releases, it doesn't give you the withdrawal. So we can use heroin as well. So, but there's no monitoring of that. What is the point in that? That's, yeah, it's also very dangerous to do that. It's very dangerous it's, to it's do that. It's extremely dangerous. Yeah, it is extremely dangerous. But that's what's happening. The, 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 the well, now. 
Well, so the other thing that I was surprised by, and this is, again, my ignorance of the system over there. So I, I asked Ellie, I said, okay, so you're not getting the help that you need through the NHS. So can you use, through your insurance, can you go and go into a private treatment program? And I did not know this. Again, it's my, my ignorance. Um, she said, well, we don't, we don't have insurance like that. We don't, we don't do that over here. Is that, is that true? Yeah, we pay like people who on, on on your wages you pay national insurance contributions. That pays for like your benefits and your NHS and your tax. It's that's supposed to we 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 shouldn't need health insurance. We should be getting the same um, health care as people who are buying private health care. Right. People people in this country do buy sometimes buy private healthcare, but often it's through um, their employers. But you would need to have quite a, a substantial wage to be able to just to, to afford that. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a difference. So unless unless you are of, of substantial financial means, this is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, you're pretty yeah. much using the government system unless you have substantial yeah. government means. Yeah. That's what I'm we, hearing. We, okay, we so you're pretty. We do pay for it. Right, yeah. right, right. But it, it's you're paying the government for it. And, we, pay, um, we pay the government. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole nother discussion. <laughs> That's a and whole other discussion right there. It's an amazing um, uh, service, mm -hmm. um, and for what for what it was what it was created for. However, again, Thatcher cut cut, cut it to the boat to the bone. It was like it was a pauper service, um, and that's not how that's not the the what it, what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be free healthcare for everybody. And the best of care, and it, when it was first introduced, it was the best of care. It's no longer the best of care, but it's mm -hmm. the only thing that we've got. And by the way, I anybody that's listening to this program that is from the National Health Service, I I, I want to apologize if it sounds like I'm I'm bashing you. It, it's not that's not my intent because I I I am absolutely certain that the vast majority of people in the NHS mean well or try doing the best that they possibly can to help people. And I, and I want to make that clear. I, I, I know that there's, there's yeah. fantastic people and you know, it's not, yeah, my purpose is not. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. And so it's but not meant know, to bash, they, they, but, no, but here's no, what we know. They're seeing it, they're, yeah. They're seeing it every day. They're seeing the cuts. They're seeing that. How, yeah. how, how, how we don't have, they don't have um, the proper care for people and, 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 and it must be so destroying for them working in it. Oh, absolutely, place. absolutely, um, and yeah, doing that, and it's and it's not taking anything away from them. They're they're doing it for the for the best reasons, and doing the to the best of their ability. But right, there's only so much they can do. And I and I'm saying even, I'm saying that even down to yeah, even get down to getting um a test for B12 is deficiency. It's so so difficult. Even if a doctor says right, I'll test you for B12, the the labs can just can refuse to actually process that. Wow, that's yeah, because it's it's wasting money, right? They can, and they can actually overturn a doctor's decision to do any kind and a, a series of blood tests. We're not processing that because, um, for whatever reason. Well, and and you know, Pauline, it, and this is where I was going with that is that it, it's not meant okay because here's here's how in the addiction world, like how life is right so what we learn and i'm going to apply this to the nhs here is what we learn is it does not i, I mean we we can discuss what the problem is right but we can't dwell on the problem and that's why i'm saying i'm not i'm not 
beating up on the NHS. Yeah. What I'm what I'm saying is you take it. Here's what we do know. You, you take the facts, right? And I'm an, you know, an investigator. I've spent my whole life being an investigator. And what I do is I look at the facts, you know, and, and it's important to remember that feelings are not facts. Feelings are not yeah. facts. You look at the facts. And so here's the fact. Um, Scotland has a problem. Here's a fact. Mm-hmm. Scotland has the highest drug deaths, drug-related deaths in Europe. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Dundee, yeah. Scotland, has the highest in Scotland, which makes Dundee the do- drug death capital of Western Europe, right? So that's a fact. Yeah. Um, and so that's mm-hmm. the problem. But it doesn't do us any good to dwell on the problem because we know what the problem is. We've identified that. What we need to do is say, well, okay, how, how do we fix this problem? How do we move forward? Because just like when you're driving a car, when you're driving an automobile, right? The way that you drive through the automobile is you look through the windshield. You don't stare at the rearview mirror because that's looking behind you. We're not really concerned about what's behind yeah. you. you. You glance at it, right? We want to know what's behind us. But we mm-hmm. we drive a car by moving forward, and that's how we address this issue is how are we going to move forward? So the idea here – We need a here, solution. Yeah. yeah, we need a solution. And, and, and part of that – so anybody from um, the British government, from the NHS that's listening is this is not being in opposition to you. This is trying to give you ideas and come to the solution to this. And so one, mm-hmm. NHS needs to be addressed and how they deal with this, but then – the you know looking at the community organizations like Recovery Dundee and saying what can the community do to assist this problem, and that's so you've come across you've come in into contact with uh, a group which is Recovery Dundee. How did you get in touch with them, and what is it that they are doing to help, and what are they doing that the NHS is not doing? Uh, you know, I know that's a that's a, like three three questions in one. But maybe um, yeah. so. You've you've obviously found a group that has helped your daughter immensely. So what are they doing? Yeah. That's helping. Uh, what are they doing? Um, they're listening to people. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, there's people with lived experience. They they know they've been through it. They know how it feels. I, I I can't I can't feel that for somebody because I've never been there. I could feel what it's like to be a parent and have a, a child who's an addict. But to be, actually be, I don't know what it feels like to be an addict. So they, they need to they need to listen to people. Um, Sharon, Sharon listens. Sharon knows. Sharon's been there. And she's, she's, been, she's out the other end. So she can give people hope. Also, she's available. She will, she'll talk to people any time of the day or night, any day of the week. Um, she'll go and she'll meet people. On a one-to-one basis, um, we have the we have the cafe. Uh, the cafe. If someone is actually under the influence, they can't come to the cafe because that trick that can trigger somebody who's in recovery. But they can be given one-to-one support. It's. I think it's empathy as well. You give people empathy. Um, you listen to, and try to help them work through the trauma that's been in their life, where it's come from, and make sense of it. That's the difference. It's not um, a medical model that, like, you've got an appointment at this time. You come in. You've got you've got half an hour. Um, what you're doing and and, and uh, the power balance. I think the power balance is is is, is a huge huge thing um, in the services. Um, service users have no power. They have no power whatsoever. Where current recovery Dundee, you're an equal. 
Um, nobody's taking nobody's taking control of your life. People will help you to to do that to take control of your own life. So the people don't feel like that they're um, that they're they're a lesser human being. I think that's that's a huge huge part of it. You know, I I can tell you that even in my own life, in here, with a very different medical sort of system, it's interesting that you say that because there's there's so many similar there's more similarities than there are differences in this. Mm -hmm. I I know that when I was going to the hospital and I was in what's known as intensive out a patient um, program, and you're dealing with the hospital and you're dealing with the hospital workers, I a I never I felt like it was a business. I, I felt like I was a number. I felt like I was a way for people to make money. Um, as you mentioned, it, it's, you know, you come in and m maybe you're meeting with a counselor. And they say, okay, well, we've got one hour. You got one hour. Okay, well, <laughs> okay, well, that, that sounds very sterile to begin with. And, um, you know, how well do you get to know somebody in an hour? And do they really care, uh, you know, about, I never felt like anybody cared about what was going on. And, you know, even here, if, uh, you know, you're drug tested while you're you're in that, that treatment and the minute they find that you've relapsed and you've been drinking, um, instead of being you know, like, let's let's get to the bottom of it. What caused you to relapse? Why, why did this happen? Yeah. How can we get you back on track? It was none of that. It was just, okay, you're out of the program. So it's it's the same here. It's, and, a, blame. it's a blame culture, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's like you're being punished, you know, whereas, you know, the, the community groups here and, of, you know, of course, the big thing here is the 12-step group. But although it's not just 12-step groups, there's a lot of other groups that are out there. You know, nobody's going to kick you out. No, nobody's going to kick you to the curb because you you relapsed. You know, somebody's going to sit down and okay, let's explore this. Let's let's work on. It. As long as you're willing, you know, people are willing, and you get to know yeah. people and you develop those relationships. And that sounds a lot like what Recovery Dundee is. That nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to. We understand that yeah. relapses happen. We're not concerned about the relapse. We're we're concerned about you getting back to you know you know try this again type of thing. Um, that's yeah, what it sounds yeah, like yeah, well, Recovery Dundee is. Yeah, well, that's right. That's it. Yeah. What's triggered you? What's and 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 Sharon will go away to try and help people to deal with. with to, look, this is a trigger for you. Well, how about we try this when you're triggered, or if you're triggered, phone me before you go and take drugs. And yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that's dealing. It's dealing with the realities of it and the day-to-day -day, um, problems of it. Um, it's no use getting an appointment once every six weeks or once every six months. Just give me a urine sample, or you've used, or you haven't used, and then out the door again. That's that's it's 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 uncaring, and it's and I'm and I'm not criticising the people who are, who are working in the service. That's the job they're being given, but there's big gaps there that need to be filled. Right, right. That's exactly right. And you're looking for yeah. take what work, you know, take what works in the NHS. Yeah. But try to improve where those gaps are, and I think that it would it would behoove it would really benefit the NHS to listen to people like you, to Sharon, to Ellie, to and all the others that are there, and yeah. and listen to them and say how can we improve this system? How can we improve recovery this system? Dun, recovery Dundee does this on no on no funds whatsoever. We have yeah, no it's amazing, funding. isn't it? Yeah, it's it's absolutely done on no funding whatsoever. We have no so, premises. We meet at a cafe in the town. And my, my understanding is that the owners of this of this cafe donated this 
right? They donated the space and the yeah. time and and yeah. um yeah, 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 they're amazing. Yeah, they really are. Fantastic. Yeah, and so if I was in Scotland, if I was in Dundee and I wanted to visit Recovery Dundee, where where are you located? Beans and Berries Cafe in um Commercial Street in Dundee. Commercial Street Dundee the Beans cafe, and Berries. The, yeah. The cafe meets on a Monday night at six o'clock and one o'clock on a on a Wednesday afternoon. But Sharon's there quite quite more quite often. I mean if she's meeting anyone else, met anybody, she'll meet at the cafe. We often meet at the cafe. Um, lockdowns made it much more difficult, but um, yeah, that that's that's where where you can find you can find recovery Dundee at the cafe. Oh, it's fantastic! And or on um, the end of the phone, yeah, yeah, on, yeah, on um, on the end of the phone. Yeah. Now, is there a is there a phone number for? Recovery Dundee, or are you are you calling individual people? Um, it's really Sharon's phone number, um, as as the main the main call. Okay, and um, I I understand there's a Facebook site, so Recovery Dundee has a Facebook site and a Twitter site. There's, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. But no, right. there's no website. I don't yeah. believe there's a website, but I know that there's a Facebook site. No, there and, isn't. No. Uh, so there's if you are in. Scotland, if you can get to uh, Dundee and, and, and visit uh, Recovery Dundee, you know, check out the, for the specific information, check out the Facebook site, check out the Twitter site. And um, I, I would be reluctant to hand <laughs> – Sharon would probably kill me if I, if I put her phone number out on this broadcast. However – her phone would, her phone would yeah, blow up. Yeah, <laughs> it would blow up. But what you can do uh, – here's what I'm sure of, that if you reach out to Recovery Dundee through – one of those social media platforms, um, somebody, uh, maybe yeah. even Sharon will get back to you. Uh, maybe you'll get back yeah. to, to one of these folks. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that uh, they would do that. So I would encourage anybody in um, in Scotland or if you can get there uh, or, or if you're in Dundee to go ahead and reach out to Recovery Dundee and get the, the help and the support because, you know, we've got the testimonies. We've got the testimonies from people mm-hmm. that say that their lives have done a turnaround and they uh, a great deal of the credit goes to the the folks at Recovery Dundee for helping people get the support. You know, I, I had a discussion with Ellie and, and she told me that if it was not for Recovery Dundee, she would not be where she is right now. And yeah, ultimately, um, if you're listening to this program, here, here's, here's, and I'm telling you this from experience, first and foremost, first and foremost, you have to hit that crossroads in your life. You want to get better, or you want to get worse. Those are the only two options. This is like a multiple choice test. Yeah. Only in the multiple choice test in school now, what I've done is said your only choices are A and B. There's no C, D, or E, all the above. There's none of that. It's A or B. Do you want to live or do you want to die? And that's up to you. It's up to you to decide what you want to do. But if your choice is that you want to live, there's a big part of this that is on you. And you need to be willing to accept help. You need to be willing to get help. And you need to be willing to go and have that willingness to listen to people that have done this. And that's why, as you point out, Pauline, that it's important to talk to people that have struggled with the same issue uh, that you have, whether it's heroin, whether it's cocaine, whether it's alcohol, whether it's all the above, or it could be gambling, sex, um, gaming that's a that's a big issue now all these different things you need to talk to somebody that has struggled with what you have 
struggled with Mm -hmm. and then find out what it was that they did and be willing to take the advice from those people. Um, The NHS is doing great work in, in tapering that uh, and, and getting into harm reduction that that's important. I'm I'm not downplaying that, but if you want to get to the point to where, like where you want to get clean, then you're going to have to go out and do some work on your own and work with people like the folks at recovery Dundee to get to that point. And I'm just telling you that from experience. And uh, do you agree with that, Pauline? Yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You're right. You have to you have to cho- choose. Do you want to live or do you want to die? And that that is the bottom line. And then go out there and find find somebody who's who's whose life experience you can who can guide you through without without judging you. Yeah, Definitely. and and it is possible. And they're not going to judge it's, you. It's, it's possible. No, they they're not going to they're not going to judge you. Um, and that is, I know that that's a big thing for, you know, people feel ashamed. There's a lot of stigma that's associated with, uh, with addiction. And we talk about that quite a bit, but there is no stigma mm-hmm. in, inside these groups that, that no. you can get well, no. people want to get you well. And, um, it's in everybody's interest. It's in everybody's best interest that you yeah. get well, if you're suffering from addiction, it's the, your family's, uh, your family, whether it be your children, your 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 partner, your spouse, whatever your living situation is, it's your city, it is your country, and and I'm I'm going to put it out. Uh, the, these people that are addicted and are going around and their lives are going nowhere, um, that is not good for your community. It is not good for um, it is not good for your country. So uh, I do here in the United States. I do a lot of work with uh, police departments. I you know taught at the National Academy. I continue to teach now, and that's one of the things that I have been pushing with our law enforcement here in the United States is that for remember this from a law enforcement perspective. And so for for those of you that are with uh, Police Scotland, I hope you're listening to what I'm saying is that for every person that is in recovery. That is a person that is not stealing. That is a person that's not harming people. That is not a person that is a drain on your society. And that's not somebody that you're locking into your prison system. People that are addicts who are recovering addicts um, have become the most productive members of society. How do I know that? Because I've met them. How do I know that? Because I see it every single day here in the United States. When people get into successful recovery, they become some of the best members of your community you can imagine because they live on a different plane. They live on a different spiritual plane. The way that they they look at uh, life, the gratitude that they have is so different than everybody else. In fact, I'll tell you this. I would prefer to have somebody working for me that is in recovery from an addiction than anybody else. Because they just operate differently. So whether you're with the National um, um, Health Service or whether you're with Police Scotland or if you're with the city council there in Dundee, every single person in your city that is getting well is somebody that is now a productive member of your society. And who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? So I hope people are listening to this. So, um, Pauline, anything um, for today, is there anything else that you'd want to um what people are listeners to think about and take away from this conversation. I just, uh, I think the biggest thing is just stop judging people who are, who are addicts. Um, there's somebody's family, there's somebody's child, somebody's, um, mother, father. Um, and it could be your family. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, and then I, I tell you this, Pauline, and you may agree with this. I actually don't know anybody that doesn't know somebody in their world that has an addiction. 
it could be a coworker, it could be a friend, a boss, subordinate, uh, family member. We're all affected by this. We are all affected by it. Yeah. We are all affected by it. And uh, it, it's all of, in, in our best interest. So please get help out there if you can. If you're in Scotland, reach out to Recovery Dundee. Check out their Facebook site. Check out Twitter. And so with that, Pauline, I really appreciate you joining us today. It wasn't too painful, was it? No, it was fine. It was okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for, for, for inviting me. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. And I'll just go ahead and wrap this up and we'll just say that, uh, you know, I don't represent any group. Uh, I don't represent anyone other than myself. And um, my only purpose in giving this information, and I'm sure Pauline is the same way, is to share with you what we've done because it's helped us. And we hope that it's going to help you too. So if we said anything that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with, then just discard that. But try to take something that we talked about today because you can always get something out of every message that you hear and use that to help other people. You know, that's what we do in recovery. We help ourselves and uh, we use the our experiences to help people along the way. And with that, so visit my Facebook page, which is Recovery is Possible, and my website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. And let me know how I'm doing. I'll leave us a comment. Uh, if you have a, a particular topic that you'd like to to hear, you know, anything that you'd like to hear about it, let, let me know about that. And take care, folks, and we will see you next time.